Hi everyone, welcome to the Electrician Success Academy. Really excited to be sharing this episode with you today. Just before we start, I just wanna let you guys know we've got an awesome offer where we're giving away one month free Academy Mastermind membership. That's on us, $276 worth of value and a one-on-one coaching session valued at $750 to ensure that you have the best year yet. We wanna make sure that we help as many people and electricians as possible this year. Make this an awesome year, less stress, more freedom and bigger amount of growth with a better game game plan and less mistakes. So if that sounds like something you want to jump onto for limited time, go to sign up at www.electricians-success-academy.com and use coupon code 2021 at the sign up process and you'll get that $1,000 worth of coaching absolutely free. So let's get into this one. Thanks so much. I'll see you guys soon. Hey guys, we're here with Kirk Neal for a casual chat on ESA TV. Welcome aboard, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Super pumped to be in our new space. Yeah, yeah. very nice. To uh, be having a chat with you. We've been working together for about nine years now. I think that is, yeah, about nine years, yeah. It was like nine years ago, we caught up and went to that cafe just down the road from my house and was, we had the first in, job interview. Yeah, nice and casual. Got yeah. a good vibe. Yeah. You know? And then, yes, uh, the rest is, rest is history, hey? So yeah. it's been a journey. Yeah, man. So tell me about, um, I'd love to start right back from the beginning of your electrical career. So how was it like growing up in the Canberra region as a, an apprentice electrician? Yeah, so I started my apprenticeship in Canberra um, pretty much straight after year 12. So I finished year 12 and then started in the, in the January after year 12. And uh, yeah, got a, got a gig with a really good operator, small uh, one business owner, one tradie. Um, and then I was taken under, under their wing there and I got some really good training. Um, we specialized in domestic and new homes and um, they really challenged me to to be always pushing myself a little bit further uh, and always developing my skill set um, getting faster more confident um, and back in those days an apprenticeship was a little bit different to these days uh, I think like we were given a lot more flexibility and freedom uh, around like supervision and things like that so I was given a lot more responsibility earlier on than a lot of apprentices these days would be given and I think that really helped me mature as an adult as well as, as become a, a good electrician. So I got a good uh, understanding of, of the wiring principles as well. Um, with the space that we operated in, we, all of our work was inspected. So there was a high level of accountability. Um, and then I also got very good at understanding causes to justify my work and things like that. So that provided me with a really good foundation and confidence in my own ability and, and my work standards. Mm. I remember you telling me that moment when you were like make or break moment as an apprentice and you actually leveled up from that point when you... Yeah, it was big. Uh, it was actually like a confronting sort of experience. Um, I'd probably been working maybe three months or so and um, the boss came to me and goes, oh, look, your probation is just about up. And he was very nonchalant about it. He was just like, look, you've, you've been all right, but you know, you're no superstar. Like uh, you, got, you, got, you got two weeks to show me like that I should keep you on. And I was like, I was really taken back by that. Like, cause I thought I was coming to work and I was doing a good job. Uh, but I had a school kid mindset, like yeah. coming to work and doing, just coming to work, doing a good job isn't always enough. You know, you have to be challenging yourself. So I put a rocket up me. Um, and my old boss still talks about that today, actually, um, at that, that moment. And uh, so I went away and, you know, it cut me a little bit. It got, pissed me off a bit. So I, uh, I went and I secured another role starting in the two weeks. So I was like, right, now that takes the, 
the pressure off not having anywhere, not having a job. So with that pressure relieved, I said, I'm going to make him regret that statement. <laughs> uh, so I will show you. Yeah, I absolutely brought it for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he came to me and was like, look, um, been super impressed with what you've delivered in the last two weeks. Yeah. Like it'd be remiss of me to, to look elsewhere. Like you belong here. Yeah. And so then I had a decision. I, I held all the cards, you know, I had two options on the table and I decided to, to stick where I was. Uh, and that was a good move because, you know, I'd, I'd proved and established myself in that little short window. Uh, and then that led to a lot more responsibility being shelved my way. And then I also got um, the experience of training other apprentices in the same sort of fashion. And so I got good at identifying those same habits that I w was in, in that sort of first three months of like, coming to work and thinking that that was good enough. Yeah. Um, and then I could identify that in, in other people. And then, you know, I was a bit gentler than what my boss was to them. But in the same way, I sort of tried to inspire that, that breakthrough moment. Yeah. If you're an apprentice and you're watching right now or you've got a moment like this, then uh, comment below and we want to hear your stories, how you've, you've broken through and there was that moment when you went from being shit to actually being okay and actually putting in some effort for once. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so back to from there, so then what inspired you to move over to WA where we, we met? Yeah, so I think it was just a, a life sort of choice. Uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, was, we were both looking for a little bit more adventure in our lives and I'd never been to the West Coast and I said, well, let's go there. So we packed up the ute and, and drove and... Um, yeah, we landed over in, in Perth. And I remember I spent like the first six weeks sitting on the beach, lapping it up. And then I ran out of money. So I was like, got to go get a job. And yeah. luckily enough, I, I saw uh, the ad for response and contacted you. And then, yeah, it was uh, all good things from there. Yeah, I remember, um, so I hired you and Kieran in the same week. And Kieran's still with us at response. And yeah, it was um, a big moment for me hiring two people in the one week. It was like, oh. Don't know how this is going to go. And we went from, you know, I think we had three staff to now five staff. And that was a bit of like, whoa, what's going to happen? And um, yeah, you bought it, man. It was sick. It was good. Yeah, it was always, and it's a, I guess it reset that challenge mindset as well because I'd been comfortable. I'd worked in that same role for probably what, six, seven years or something prior to that yeah. with the one employer. And I'd built a level of comfort into that role. And then starting fresh, is, it's almost like starting as a first year apprentice again. Like you have to prove yourself, you have to establish your skill set and um, earn that respect and that trust from, mm. from the business as a whole. It's like from the business owner, from the business itself and from your other employees, uh, other like work colleagues. Yeah, I'd love to get you guys, if you're just starting a new job or just started a new job, what are the things that you do, comment below, uh, the things that you do to impress your new employer um, or what, as an employer, if you're watching this, what do you like to see someone do when they start a new job? Put it below. All right, cool. Just putting those little things in there do you remember, for these guys. Do you remember what impressed you about me? Yeah, it was like, um, so with Kirk, when he came in, uh, he was straight away just owning the role. So you came in, you were just like, yeah, what do I need to do? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, you would communicate really well. You would... Um, make sure that the customers were happy. You'll do you'll you'll do upgrades when at that point we weren't all about you know maximizing the value of jobs. 
um, hadn't figured that out yet, um, but you were already like talking to me and there was already a good vibe. So I think there was straight away, we were getting along on a personal level. Um, and that's what I really like because some of the people I hired previously, it was a little bit awkward and weird because they weren't someone I'd vibe on with a, like almost like a friendship level. And so I think that was after hiring you and Kieran and you know that, I was making sure that I was hiring more people where I vibed with them. I thought that was really important from that moment on. Good stuff. It was like the times when I didn't hire people that I vibed with, they ended up leaving. So... <laughs> for whatever reason. So um, it was, yeah, so that's what I remember. So a couple of years you're working on the tools, doing that, and I remember I was like, got to the point we scaled up and it was at that point I was like, I need someone to support in the office, do invoicing, quoting, follow-ups, that sort of thing. Um, and I remember having a chat and you were down at Chimbalino's. Yeah. I remember, the, I remember it like vividly. And um, I was like, hey, Kirk, didn't need to talk to you. Ops manager, what do you reckon? <laughs> Yeah, as I was an interesting, interesting space as well because like that time in my life, I feel like through those first, you know, 18 months, two years of working at Response, I'd established that comfort level again. So I was like, I could go about my business, achieve really solid results consistently without really challenging myself much beyond that. Mm. Um, and it was very comfortable. And so I found myself in a position there where I could like happily just like roll along and deliver what you needed me to deliver for the, for the business but yeah when this challenge came along at first i was like oh well that will you know reset me again it brings me back to that oh, i know nothing about what i'm doing yeah which is uh you go through those moments in life where you get reset back to i have no idea what i'm doing here yeah um, and you still get those like as you go th through life um Classic example is like when you become a parent for the first time, you know, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's important to embrace those moments because they're going to find you in life. So if you try and run from them and, and avoid them forever, then eventually they're going to they're gonna catch you and you're not going to be equipped with the right mindset to, to move through and, and actually thrive in that environment. So mm, 100%. I think that's what I, I liked about the, the challenge of it all was starting from zero and going, I have to get better in order for me to be successful here. So every day I was trying to enhance something that I was doing. Yeah. I remember the biggest reservation you had was you didn't want to um, feel above the other guys in the, in the company. I was like, I don't want to lose that friendship yeah. with the team. And uh, that, was, that was a concern at first, definitely. So that was, I had a good, solid friendship with a lot of those guys and to be you know positioned in a way where I'm, you know i may be having to deliver harsh or difficult have difficult conversations with those people was a little bit daunting but then again like i embraced that and over time i i think i did a good job of slowly but uh, steadily distancing myself from that so that those conversations became easier to have without losing any friendship yeah, I really, uh, and that's a testament to the guys as well because they appreciate that. Hey, I had a job job to do, and it was my job to do. Have those discussions with yeah. people. I think um, there was always that level of respect there, and there was always that um, the the team knows that you're coming at it from an angle of let's improve rather than your shit. Yeah, and <laughs> sometimes Even that, sometimes you felt that way. Sometimes it's very hard <laughs> to like you know keep it at the forefront of your mind. But yeah, that's that's what it, that's what it was. 
in, in essence. And yeah, that was, a, that was a struggle at first, definitely. Yep. And then there was the moment um, we'd, we built up your ability in the ops manager role and you got inspired to go for a job at the fire department. I remember that. Yeah, so uh, at my mind's like, oh shit, what do I do? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I did. Uh, I thought, hey, I'd like to chase one of those childhood dreams of mine, become a firefighter. So I went through the application process there and managed to get, work my way through that process, which is quite challenging, which was good because it was a challenge at the time as well. Um, you know, not everyone can can cut it. And I was, you know, lucky enough to be successful in that process. And then, yeah, I had to make a difficult choice at the end of the day. I had, again, brings me back to that three to four months into my apprenticeship where I had two options and like creating, making sure you pick the right option in that moment is, is a little bit daunting at times. But I remember like the catalyst that I was really struggling with in the operations role there was, um, I guess I had a, had a complex around sales and maximizing value and profits for the business. Uh, now that's a, that is a critical area where I think a lot of people in yeah. business struggle. Especially all the people we work with in the academy, like yeah. getting them to you know, understand that it's not selling for the sake of selling, but value delivery. Yeah. But getting over that. To getting over that, I remember having this complex in my mind around like, the only way we can make money is if we rip people off. And like, I had this like really negative approach to sales and value adding in my own mind. I came to work and I tried to put that aside as best I could, but it, it ground me up in the back of my mind space. And I remember thinking like when the two options were on the table, I was like, no one's going to complain about an invoice if I'm a firefighter, if I'm cruising around in my big truck, you know, um, <laughs> attending to car wrecks and pulling people out of car wrecks. I'll be like, they'll just be like, thank Christ you're here. Not like, are you trying to rip me off? Which is that like anti-trading mentality that I sort of got sucked into by a few and it was just a few negative clients that sort of like really yeah. conditioned that mindset. And I was just probably not aware of how that affected me. And the, and the actual uh, tremendous value we delivered to all of the other 98% of people that didn't yeah, complain. Exactly, yeah. And like the other thing is I was like bringing my own complexes around pricing and what I would consider to be expensive to a, to a conversation where I have no understanding of the client's financial position. Yeah. And then what I learned is like, it doesn't matter what you charge, some people will always find you expensive. Mm. You could do it for 10% of what you really charge and someone will be like, oh geez, that's, that's more than I thought. That's steep, yeah. Because there's so many people that have like this um, misconceived idea around where the value and price point of trades should sit. And then there's also a small population, part of the population that have this very anti-tradey mentality where all tradies are out to rip people off yeah. and do a shit job. You know, that's like inspired by the, the likes of like a current affair and stuff like that, I guess. And mm -hmm. people are on edge about getting taken for a ride. And it's yeah. like, not that we were ever doing that, but it just planted this seed of doubt in my mind and I just didn't handle it well. So I had this complex and I went to look for another alternative. And then it came down to like decision making time. And I remember you, um, you coming to me and you're like, well, you got to make a decision. And I was like, yeah, I do. And you said like the, the, the reason, the catalyst is really this like it, this objection around sales and value and things like that. And I remember you saying to me like, you, you don't have the solution for that. I have to work past that myself. You, nothing you could say would like just diffuse and break that down for me. 
but you said, oh, I have to embrace that and try and move forward. And I remember that you, the word you used is embrace it. You have to embrace it. And I, I took that away and I thought, how do I embrace something that like internally I don't like, I dislike it? How do I embrace something like that? And what I did is I created a line in the sand moment for myself. And I was just like, from this moment forward, like forget about where the price point sits, forget about where the value delivery sits. I'm like, I'm going to embrace the salesmanship of business. Now, all business involves sales. Yeah. It, like that is what the whole, every business, doesn't matter what you do, is built off sales. Yeah. The life is pretty much built off sales. Yeah. Or to every like, hey, I was thinking about going to the movies this afternoon. You, you want to come? Oh, what movie are you watching? You know, yeah. same sort of thing. It's a sales. You're trying to pitch me on like yeah. what movie to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, once I appreciated that fully and understood that, like I said before, about running from those moments, you know, I was running from this sales thing. When I've realized sales is everywhere. Yeah. And the faster I embrace it, the more I'll actually um, get out of life. Yeah. So I, I embrace the business side of sales in the fact that where my price point sits, where the value point sits is irrelevant. And what I did is I made a commitment to myself and I said, clients may go elsewhere and find a cheaper price. Clients may go elsewhere and find a higher value, but clients will not go elsewhere and get better sales. So I'm like, I'm gonna be the pinnacle of sales. <laughs> yeah. So you can call someone else and like, you know, um, Joe from the Yellow Pages could answer the phone like, yeah, g'day. Oh yeah, I'll come and do it cheaper than that. Yeah. No worries. But you call me and you're gonna get it. You're gonna get the sale. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything in my power to sell you around the benefits of using us. Yeah. And I just embraced that and I made it a challenge to myself. And sometimes those phone calls would go really well and you'd get off the phone and go, I sold the absolute backside off that one. Yeah. Like that was so good. Like I did so well. And other calls, you drop the ball and you'd be like, right, okay, I got to stop saying that. I got to stop ending up in this part of the conversation because yeah. it really stalls what I'm trying to do here. And so everything, every call became a game. Mm. And I just was like, as long as I have the ambition to deliver the best sales in the market, what that does for the business is immense. Yeah. And like it really shot off. Like it, from that moment, my ability to dial in, generate more revenue for the business was immense. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for us and for me personally, I've got this, I've got a similar complex where if someone gives me any money, I'm going to make sure I fucking 10 times that shit. Like let's make sure the value that they get from the dollar they spent is just through the roof. And that's why I'm so such an advocate for if you don't get the value, I'll give you your money back for, through the academy with the customers that we have at Response. It's like, well, you can pay us what you pay us. We might be more than other people. We're less than others. But whatever you pay us, we're going to make sure we bring it. And when you get the service, it's going to be next level and you're not going to expect the service that you get. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You just got to like, I think that's what, what I was uh at, at the, the core of what I was trying to achieve within myself with being the best salesperson is blow away expectations. Yeah. So the customer is expecting to call a tradie and their mindset and their belief around a tradie is like, yeah, g'day, what do you want? Oh yeah, come out yeah. next week. When they call me, they're not expecting what I deliver on the phone. And so I, I just want to blow their expectations away. And with a structure that was optimized for business success. Yeah. And once I embrace that, like 
Now I, I, I eat sales. I love it. Like I, I love the challenge of being able to position my language right so that I get across all of the value that I want them to see in our service and yeah. what I do and what I bring. Yeah, man, so good. I just want to switch to the audience. Guys, if you're watching this live and you're resonating with this or you're getting inspiration from this, comment below, like, shoot those hearts, whatever you're doing. Um, we want to hear from you down below around what we've just talked about and that transformation into you know embracing that moment. That's awesome, man. I know that I know it's a massive um, common issue around like business owners because the people we deal with in the academy, like so many people, have this ceiling capped on their on what they can earn or what they can charge someone, and it's all built in their own mind. It's like this prison that they're that they're living within. They've they've created this locked ceiling around their earning capacity. You need to be able to just blow that open. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And a lot of people lose a lot of opportunity when they don't talk to the customer around all the things they know as an expert. And when you can talk them through, like, here's what I recommend, here's what I think, and let them choose, it's always their choice. We don't want to push them into it. No, you have to do this. You have to do it. Like, we don't want to do that. We just want to talk about the solutions and say, what, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this, you could do that. Let them choose. And if you're choosing good customers and you're accepting those sort of customers into your business, then they'll just be like, that sounds great, let's get it done. Yeah, I like to think of like that, that advice level as sort of like the way you position the value that they're gonna see um, is in essence sales. Like they always have a choice to, to turn down your professional opinion, but with your opinion, if you can lay out how this is gonna benefit their life, how this is gonna make their life more enjoyable, easier, and you play to that logic-based sequence, so if you could present a very logical um, sequence to, to the way that, to what you're trying to convey, then a lot of people will be like, hey, I'd never thought about that, but that makes perfect sense. Let's get that done. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think what stops a lot of electricians and tradespeople from recommending things is the few times when someone said no. Oh, no. No, I don't want that. Oh, my God. Like, I'm rejected. I've got a rejection. I've failed or whatever it is. And that there is the cut to the heart and it stops people trying time and time again. But the thing is when you try time and time again, you realize that a lot of people want your opinion, they want your expertise, and often when you don't recommend stuff and someone comes in behind you and recommends it, they think that you're... An inferior service, like a lower value. Yeah, yeah you... why didn't they tell me that? They should have told me that, they didn't tell me that. And it's just because I just wasn't confident enough to talk through my, what I thought was right. But we have to, as experts, industry experts, we have to be able to go out there and say, here's what I feel um, and, and everything. Even if they say no to one thing and you see another thing, still going back again and asking again because they're allowed to say no 20 times. That's okay. Yeah. But at least you know you've done your best to educate them and let them know what they could do. Yeah, I think it's... um. Another thing, could, yeah, yeah. And what you want to embrace is you want to get comfortable with rejection. Yeah, if, you, if you're not comfortable with rejection now, and I'm sure like heaps of people out there are like, mom, I hate, I hate that feeling. And that's, you hate it, down below. And that's totally normal. That's human nature. No one like goes around going, can someone reject me? Because I, I just like love that feeling. Come <laughs> on, give it to me, yeah? It's not about loving rejection, yeah. but it's about being comfortable and being able to be like, that's all good. And not letting that impact the future just 
choices that you make mm. based off like one person's rejection or the way one person has responded to your suggestion. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's a bad suggestion. Doesn't mean it's, it just means it's not right for them at this moment. Yeah, no, 100%. So we've moved through that. We've been you know, managing response for several years and now moving into a coaching role at the academy. You've coached hundreds of businesses now, um, learned so much about all the different types of business from startup to large scale businesses, uh, helping them understand and see things that they normally wouldn't be able to without someone, a third party looking in and seeing it. And you know, I know from personal experience and now you know, the more businesses you work with, you start to see a, a collective of problems, a collective of solutions to certain problems. So what do you think are some of the things now, you know, running incubators, you, you, you run this incubator journey for people, which is a three month coaching program at the academy, to help them level up their business as much as possible. We had some ridiculous growth in there. And what do you think some of the core things in that program is that when people realize, oh, that's what's holding me back. That's what's stopping me from going to that next level. I'd love to have a bit of a conversation around what you've, you've found. Yeah, well the first and like most clear one is undercharging. Like so many people come into the program and we work out very early on in the program, like where people's price point sits. And we inspire and encourage them to, to increase that because so many people, firstly, don't understand what it costs to run their business. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, um, it's a critical, it's critical information. How do you know what to charge if you don't know what you, the cost of operation sits at? And then what we do is they're busy, they're generating work at that rate. And what we do in the incubator program is we give them skills to convert more attract more leads, get more clients. So with that additional skill, right? What are we gonna do? Just earn more clients at, a lot, at the same rate? No way. Mm. We've got more skill so we can increase our rates. Better value delivery. Yeah, so what we're doing is we're enhancing the whole package. Not only are we getting more clients, but we're charging more per client as well, yeah. making more money. And getting people out of that really delicate balance of like making money, not making money, making money, losing money, making, yeah. And people get stuck in this trend. And a lot of the time, it's a foundational level with pricing. Yeah. Um, so that's why probably the first most glaringly obvious one. Then well, before we move on from that, like if we were to average out everyone that we've worked with, which is hundreds of businesses at that deep level of their business, now we've put all the reports together, what is like the range of cost of, per hour per oper of operation um, when we factor in things like efficiency, labor yeah. efficiency. Once you factor in like labor efficiency, like this is the thing that a lot of people don't get. And this is like the, that light bulb moment for a lot of people is once you factor in how many billable hours you can actually generate in a day as an average, it sends the cost of operation for those billable hours right up. Yeah. You know? So we could be looking at businesses operating at a, at a, once you factor in labor efficiency, anywhere from say like about $100 up through to like $125. And those same businesses are charging $99 or $95. Yeah. We've worked with heaps of guys that have gone from charging $80 an hour and brought them right up into, into the like sort of like 140s, 150s mark with the skills that we enable them to secure that work with. Yeah, and then we make sure that we can deliver that because we're factoring in things like labor efficiency and different things. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize when we like the big thing when you put the hourly rate into a, just an inflation calculator, if you look at 2000, people are charging $100 an hour or $90 an hour in 2000, 
If you put just the inflation calculator on that, inflated over 20 years, we're now in 2021, the hourly rate from 90 to $100 is now 130 to $150. So what people don't realize is we're not growing as an industry with the, with the economy. Yeah. So why are we taking the discount as an industry person? Like groceries are going up, cost of bananas has gone up. You know what I mean? Cost, yeah. Everything's <laughs> gone up. Yeah. But for some reason, there's this reservation to put our hourly rate up. We're still charging what we were in 1990. It's just ridiculous. So like new businesses coming in, we've got to realize not to get bullied and move with the economy. Otherwise, it's just going to cause problems. Yeah. And I guess then moving on after pricing is probably like the systems and processes that you can put in place that can, once you execute, can deliver you results. Now, they're, they're across the right across the board, whether it be sales processes, operations processes, task management, organizing your day. And one of the biggest things that I think a lot of people uh, lack is they don't understand how to optimize their work environment around them with the right staff and, and conditions mm. to actually get the best out of themselves. So they're always like too busy, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed. And like, there's so many different factors that go into that that inhibits their ability to perform at their peak. Yeah. yeah? And unlocking the the business owner's ability to perform at their peak is like, is one of the most rewarding things. Yes. Because then you see this like, it's like this, someone's turned the lights on and it's just like, boom, right. Now I know how to actually operate at my best. Look at me go. Yeah, now I'm going from stressed and overwhelmed and don't know what the fuck's going on to, yeah, I've got this, let's make this happen. And enjoying life, enjoying business. Like running the business goes from less, like goes from being like a burden and a massive stress to like, passionate enjoying it like yeah. thriving just loving it and yeah. getting that capturing that back and and yeah really pushing forward really defining the vision of where they're going creates that intrinsic energy within which creates the action required to get the results right. and and it's the the other thing is like people might be listening like what they put it up to that you can't just put your rate up to that and not have the series of things, the structure. the structure to deliver the maximum value. You can't just put your rate up and keep delivering the same value delivering. It's gotta be a whole, we've gotta restructure everything and we've gotta make sure we're delivering at a very high level and making sure that our clients are absolutely blown away with the service that we're providing as well. Yeah, you can't just like walk into the cereal aisle and take the $2 sticker off home brand cereal and put a $9.50 sticker on it. Yeah. without changing the value of the product inside. Yeah. Yeah, so you need to, but as the value of your product changes, you need to adjust your rate accordingly. So as you develop those skills and you add those components to your business, the price has to come up with it. Mm. Yeah, so good. Um, so once people realize that, so you're saying realizing the cost of operation and pricing, price point, so what are some other things that you notice in people coming through the program and then into our peak performance program as well? Yeah, I think um, working with one-on-ones and stuff like that. Some of the some of the areas that they realize that they're lacking is um, the ability to extract extra value from the job. So, um, what they're what they're lacking there is not the desire, but the actual process and the strategy that systemizes that for them, so it makes it easy. Because it's like this mind-blowingly complex. Like, how, oh, I don't know. How do you, how do you add value? How do you get the customer to see the extra value. And like, that's hard to define and it's unique to everyone's business. But 
creating the strategy that helps them deliver that to the client so that the client is educated in what they're doing, then that enables them to extract that higher value point. Yeah, people complain when they don't realize the value of the thing they're getting. So if you just go in and put in a PowerPoint, all they see is the wall didn't have a PowerPoint and then did have a PowerPoint. All they see is that plastic PowerPoint. Then that's what their price, their judgment of what is involved is going into that. So we've got to communicate the value as we're doing the job. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what limits their ability to convert work at a higher rate. Yeah. Um, it's because they can't, they don't have the structure around that. A lot of the things that we do in, in the incubator program is all designed around structure. Mm. So it's either, how do you structure your day to get the best out of yourself? How do you structure your team to get the best out of yourself? How do you structure your team's day to get the best out of them? Like it's, it's all about structure and positioning things in a way that are logical, that makes sense, and that deliver that consistent result. So it's all good and well to have the best idea in the world, but if you don't have the system or the process in place that delivers that consistently day in, day out, you'll do it for the first day and then it will just fade away into this. Yeah. And like how many times do we see it where guys are like, this is such a good idea and they go and do it for two days and it gets great results, but then they get busy and then they're like, yeah. well, that result creates busyness and then they stop doing it and then they get stressed and overwhelmed they forgot they even did that in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, so much um, so much structure and, and discipline as well. Like uh, we, we establish a, a high level of discipline in the actions that we do within the business because that, that consistency will is what provides the actual results. Yeah, that's what I'm absolutely so in love with at the moment in Peak Performers is our cyclical check-in accountability and the way that we, we hold them accountable to the goals they're setting. We've, we can, we're visual, we've got a visual on exactly what their goals are and we're checking in and we've got systems, we've got systems to make sure that their peak performers continue to grow and that they're implementing what they said. Because so many times, especially coming out of Incubator, they're like, whoa, I've got so many ideas, I've got to do all this. And what's that book analogy you keep talking about? Yeah, so like in the Incubator, it's like, it's like the world's longest business book full of great ideas, yeah? And everyone's probably read, uh, read a, a book on business and they, they're flicking through and they go, man, this is such a good idea. Yeah, we got to do that. That's a good idea. And then it stays an idea in their head for a week. And then they finish the book and they close the book and it sits on the desk. And then it moves from the desk to the bookcase. And then three years later, they'll see the book on the bookshelf and they'll be like, oh, still haven't implemented that. Yeah. Great idea, but the idea does nothing for you if it stays in the book. Yeah. And that's like the incubator is like, it's a great book. It is a really powerful book, but it, it doesn't deliver the maximum results until you start implementing it. I'm sure there's plenty of businesses out there that can tell you exactly how it needs to be done, yeah. but they haven't done it themselves. Yeah. And you know, this is the, the whole thing is we've got to make sure we've created systems around the way that we implement and that we're holding ourselves, not only ourselves accountable, but our team accountable. Um, and then having some form of a feedback loop so that everyone's getting that yeah, accountability. And there's, there's a number of different reasons that go into why people don't do it. And what it comes down to is some of the things that we need to implement are actually hard. Yeah. yeah. And making the decision to do something that's hard is against human nature. Especially like, when you're busy. Yeah, we will gravitate to, the, to taking the easy option where possible. So what we do really in the peak performance program is we inspire people with the confidence to make the hard, take the hard decision now and see it as the investment in the future where things become easier down the line. Yeah, and not only that, you've got the support 
every single day to, to when you get stuck on that hard decision or that hard goal that you set yourself for that cycle, there's someone there to help you through it every single day. Or even when things get hard, yeah? And you're like, man, it's hard this week. Yeah. Um, the amount of times that people have reached out and go, it's real hard to get this done this week. And it's about appreciating where they're coming from, inspiring, motivating, and mm. like enabling them to see that in this moment, it feels really hard, but like we're, we're so close to breaking through. And next week, those hard things will look easy. Yeah. Oh, man. And then the, the results I get from actually implementing those things that are hard is just so epic to see. Yeah. And it's like it, cha- it changes lives. Like it really does. Like the people that have come through now, if you were to ask them like where they were a year, 18 months ago, where their life is, yeah, it's completely different. It's completely changed it. It was pretty funny. We were talking about we, sh- we should get some videos together of what some of the incubator goals were when they started incubator and now they're in peak formers and what they've actually achieved. Yeah. This, and then we should play that back because it's like six months ago, you said this wasn't even possible. There's no way I'm going to do this. And now they go out and they smash a goal that they thought was going to take three to five years. Yeah. And they've done it in like seven months. Yeah. Yeah. Elite. <laughs> so good. So what else are you loving about what's happening at, uh, in the industry at the moment? Uh, I think there's a lot of, I think there's been a big shift, like not just in our industry, but in, in a lot of spaces around embracing that personal growth and development. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what you do. There's a lot more avenues to um, experience personal growth and development. I think people are seeing the value in developing their own skill set to become better, whether it be in, I don't know, doing meditation or business coaching or anything at all. Like people see the value of investing in themselves now, where I think like five years ago, that culture was very different. Um, People were like, how's someone going to teach me anything I don't know about this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Take breath work, for example. You know, you breathe all day long, every day. You have for your entire life. But people will teach you how to breathe better. Yeah. So if you've got this closed mindset, you'll be like, I've been breathing my whole life. What are you going to teach me? Yeah. yeah. But in actual fact, there's so much more you can learn and develop. Um, and I think that culture has really shifted to a culture where people see the value of investing in themselves. 100%. And not only that, I know a lot of people, and myself included, like I've got a coach because I know myself that even though I know a lot of the stuff, when I rehear it in a different way and then I, I'm held accountable to it, I'll implement it fully. And when I implement it fully, that's when I get the results. But often, like you said, it's easy to get busy and not move forward. So having multi-point accountability, which is what we create you know, in our Peak Performance Program, is having not just one person holding you accountable, but so many people. Um, and then having you know, each other inspiring each other, uh, it, it's a powerful combination to get results. Yeah, I guess that's something that we haven't touched on yet either, is just the community culture that is established and nurtured in those groups. Mm. Um, typically, trades industries struggle to open up to each other. Everyone's like, I don't want to talk about my business because what if I give away something that I'm doing that they're not doing and then that empowers my competitors or something like that. There's a lot of fear around that. People hold their cards very close to their chest, but once they come through the academy group, they realize that hey, there's there's a network of people who are here and yeah. want other people to succeed as well. Because there's so many avenues for success. There's not one electrician out there that's going to dominate everyone else. It's nah. not going to happen. So 
there's so many avenues and so many paths to success and everyone's path to success is different and looks different. And the beauty about the community at the academy is like the people there genuinely love other people's success. They love seeing other people win. <laughs> and what that does is that this is a massive feedback loop because if other people will see you win and they get inspired, then they go out and they get a win and then that makes you feel good. And it's just like this, this vortex of like positivity and like and support is so good. We have to realize there's an abundance of work. There is so much work out there, so many clients. There's no chance that one, like you said, one single company is gonna dominate the rest. We've gotta like look at this as an abundance mindset as electrical business owners and do it as a team. Like I'm all for, like the amount of Perth people, we've got an electrical company in Perth. We coach Perth people to compete against us. But it's not like if we if you get it, we won't. Like there's always a, an abundance mindset. And if we've got that mindset, it opens us up to share. And if we're sharing information, we're helping our industry grow. And I'm so passionate, and I know you are too, about helping our industry and those people struggling to do better. Because if they can do better, we're going to serve clients better. And if clients are being served better, their perception on our industry is better. And so big feedback loop, which I yeah, also. I'm super passionate about like the, the success of businesses because I appreciate like starting a business, like the failure rate is ridiculously high. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure that comes on, that comes with that. Uh, and the negative effects on your mindset of a failed business as well is like super impactful. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like it really doesn't. Like there's no reason why the failure rate has to be as high as what it is. It's just, um, we sort of just need more people to, to be able to appreciate like uh, some of the principles that can help them avoid that, those, those failure points. And uh, I think, yeah, if we can reach more people and inspire more people, then we can really bring that business failure rate down and have more successful businesses rolling around and more successful businesses in our industry leads to, you know, happier operators, better families, you know, less stress in the family life. And what that does, that translates all the way down to our clients. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a happy, successful operator, you're in a better position to deliver top quality service. If you're stressed and on the ropes and like having family issues, that translates, that, that flows through down to your staff and then your staff deliver that same energy to your clients. Yes. And what it does is it, like people don't understand the cascading effect of what is happening at the top. So I feel like if we can insulate the top, we can protect the chain, which makes it a better environment for electrician employees. Yeah. And that means there's a better experience for all customers. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest things I love about seeing, being a part of the journey of you know, other electrical business owners is seeing them progress through and be, have, live happier lives. And to actually get to that level where they wanted to get to when they thought, when I start a business, this is what I'm gonna be like. So to get that sooner so that they can enjoy their life and really embrace every moment with their kids, their wife or their, their partner uh, and their, you know, their uh, clients and their staff, you know, the whole, the whole bundle. So I think the other thing, like what we've really um, managed to encapsulate in the peak performance as well is we're helping these business owners create a better environment for their staff, which means they go home better. You know, they go home to their family more connected and more inspired. So the, 
the ripple effect of what we can actually do by helping people within their businesses is like beyond, I think, comprehension. Like really, the amount of people that, that can that ripple can actually affect is is immense. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. Dude, we're gonna wrap it up, but sweet, so good spending time with you. Thanks for the chat. And um, if you guys have enjoyed this, I'd love to hear final comments before we wrap it up. Uh, just put anything that you've taken away, anything that you've picked up, um, any words that you want to say to Kirk uh, about his journey. Um, but thanks for joining us and thanks for your time, man. Thanks, guys. See you later. I just want to let you guys know we've got an awesome offer where we're giving away one month free Academy Mastermind membership that's on us, $276 worth of value and a one-on-one -on -one coaching session valued at $750 to ensure that you have the best year yet. We want to make sure that we help as many people and electricians as possible this year, make this an awesome year, less stress, more freedom and bigger amount of growth with a better game plan and less mistakes. So if that sounds like something you want to jump onto for a limited time, go to sign up at www www.electricians-success-academy.com and use coupon code 2021 at the sign-up process and you'll get that $1,000 worth of coaching absolutely free. Thanks so much. I'll see you guys soon.